Welcome into the 126 podcast. Season one is over. We are on to our summer series. This is the pros part one. We got Caleb Haney here. You don't want to miss it. Hello, everyone. I am Addison McKelvin. With me, as always, Coach Weaver. Coach O. Hey, Addison. How are you? Pretty good. We're here. We made it to the summer series. We've been talking about this for a while. We did, yeah. We finished season one. Mm -hmm. uh, finished with a little bit of an exclamation point. Had a bunch of camp kids on. That was It fun. was something. But we're starting something new. And um, this is a summer series of, we think, four parts. That's at least the immediate plan. Mm -hmm. um, but we've got some pro athletes from Forney that kind of can give us a window into a world that we see a lot, we mm -hmm. talk about, we watch. Um, as much as we're involved in sports, though, we really don't have that personal view of it. So we're going to get that with some folks that went to school right here in Forney, Texas, mm -hmm. America. And um, and am I allowed to tell people who who's going to be on the next three episodes right now? Or well, do you want me to leave it as I a surprise? Mean, since you have already started the process. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's going to be yeah, kind of rotten of me. Okay. Kind of let the cat out of the bag, I don't. Uh, but yeah, We'll sure, do that at I, the end. You're going to okay. have to wait till yeah, the end we'll, of this we'll episode. We'll it for the end. So here's the deal. Um, we got a lot of, we know we've got thousands of great graduates from our athletic programs, from our high schools, uh, out there in the world making waves, doing great things. We hope leading, you know. Um, we've got many of them who have gone on to compete at the college level, representing Forney, Texas, America, uh, representing their families, their campuses, this community at, at the next level. Um, I think the typical statistical estimate is about one in 60 kids goes on to, to play at the collegiate level at Division I, uh, in a, at a Division I university. Um, but then there's a level beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. And statistically about one in 16,000 high school athletes has an opportunity to play sports professionally. Wow. Um, pretty remarkable statistic. And we're fortunate to have a handful of those from Forney. And mm -hmm. we've got our first one here today uh, joining us on the 126. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce Caleb by reading a little bit of, of his bio. I mean, I think we'll mm -hmm. start out with that because if you're, if you're not familiar with him, uh, we want you to be by the time you get done with this episode, but in a fun way, right? So I'm gonna, we're, we're going to do the regular 126 thing, but let me tell you a little bit about Caleb first of all. He grew up right here in Forney, Texas. Uh, went to Forney High School, graduated in 2004. Caleb was a multi-sport athlete. I can remember what, vividly some great basketball games he played in. You know, we may get into that today, but he's most well-known, obviously, as being a quarterback for the football team. Jack, Jack Rabbit, Jackrabbits back then, back-to-back -back years, 02 and 03, Caleb led them to the Final Four. Uh, state of Texas UIL playoffs. That was 3A back in the day before moving up to 4, which eventually became 5. Um, but great teams, you know, going all the way uh, to the state finals and just really fun, exciting teams to watch. A lot of us remember those days, remember those teams, but Caleb's best known outside of Forney for uh, seven years as a quarterback in the NFL, right, with, with stints with the Chicago Bears, Denver Broncos, finishing up with the Dallas Cowboys. He um, played collegiate football for Colorado State University. We know that. Um, went on to a, a Division I scholarship right here, from, straight from Forney High uh, to the collegiate level and on to 
to play professionally. Since retiring from professional sports, Caleb started a new career as a financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management as a member of the Sports Entertainment Professionals at Hyde Wealth Management, a team that's worked with pro athletes and entertainers for more than a decade, and I expect we'll get into that a little bit, what, what Caleb's up to these days. His family consists of his wife, Andrea, who I believe also is a Forney High graduate. Yep, pretty neat. Three children, Tatum, Landry, and Jesse Joe. They're two dogs, and I uh, think he's living in Chicago currently, but I think he's got plans to, to be back in this area soon. We'll get into that, too. So um, Caleb volunteers at his local church, and with lots of community projects, he has always been involved in church and community, as he definitely was when he was here in Forney full-time growing up here. So we're very appreciative that we've got our first pro. We're going to have four parts, part one, two, three, and four. This is part one, and a very prominent successful, accomplished, and great Forney Jackrabbit joining us at the podcast table today. So welcome, Caleb. Yeah, thank you. Excited to be here. Oh, yeah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> so you mentioned the dogs. Do you still have your donkey? Sadly, no. Oh, Sadly, man. no. Good question. Kind of a <laughs> sore subject at the okay. Haney house. Uh, yeah, Jack, the donkey, uh, died in the freeze. Oh, oh man. Didn't make it. Oh. Sorry, I brought it up. Yeah, so... It's okay. You know. He was inherited. He yeah. was inherited when we bought the house and land that we live on in in it's Rockwell County technically. Um, but uh, so yeah. Yeah. Poor Jack. RIP. RIP Jack. Jack. <laughs> All right. We'll move on from that. <laughs> Thanks, Addison. We're gonna go over to um, a happy segment, segment that people I believe is starting to kind of become a fan favorite. Well, I'm glad I can bring us out of that, Addison. Yes. Uh, today for the subject spotlight, we're talking eggs. How do you like them? Eggs. Well, it's, it is farm-related, though, isn't it? Okay, well, it is. Yes. Okay. I am always in the farm state of mind <laughs> with the type of place we have now. So, uh, love eggs. Love eggs. This was my first year of getting chickens. How about that? For okay. Whole, for, well, two years, really, we've had chickens. And started with 14, down to one, sole survivor. Caleb, uh, I'm sensing a pattern here. <laughs> Here's what I learned about living on a farm, like, or we call it a farm. It's 18 acres. It's, yeah. it's a small family farm, you know. It's turning into a farm. But the thing I learned, you got to get used to some death around the farm. Yeah. Just because if you're going to have livestock and animals and yeah. just stuff happens. Is it coyotes? What's, what's going on with your chickens? Well, so we had... We had got these chickens randomly from, I'll give another Haney shout out, Katie Haney yeah. uh, was working in Mesquite at a school there and to be left unnamed. And um, she's like, hey, you want these chicks? We have, you know, 20 or something like that. And we were like, yeah, sure. Are they all hens or are they, she's like, I don't know. They don't, they don't guarantee anything. <laughs> oh, no. So we went to this school and picked them up from the classroom. Everyone was sad to see them go. I guess they hatched them there in class. And uh, so there was like eight roosters out of yeah. 16. Oh, boy. And so we had, we gave some away, and then we had like four just terrible roosters. There's one so of them, mean. One of them who was the cock of the walk. You know, he was a banty. They're those fighting ones. You bet. And he just took out like multiple chickens. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> and <laughs> he chased our kids around, chased Andrea yeah. around the, the thing. He was a mean sucker. So we got rid of him, mm -hmm. and then uh, over time, though, hawks 
and just natural causes, yeah. I would say. So, thanks, Coach O. Out I of the know. We get a lot of great eggs I, from those chickens. Yes. Okay, because I didn't think that's where this was going. A lot of great eggs from those chickens. Roosters we were to go in the frying pan, but we went straight into yeah. the fire. We did. I had a rooster that was so mean. His name was Dirk. He didn't deserve the name. I shouldn't have named him Dirk, but he attacked me one day, and he came running at me, and so I was like, I'm going to kick this rooster really hard. And so I kicked this thing so hard. He just did this flailing backflip and landed and came at me. He probably did this six times in a row and just kept eating these <laughs> kicks. So, you know, to his credit, he's he was tough. He and was one day, resilient. Lord Jesus, I yeah. hope the SPCA isn't listening. Yeah. No, no. He attacked me. He started it. So it's okay. And then he ran away somewhere. I'm, I don't think he was killed by coyotes. I think he's leading a pack of yeah. coyotes right now. He probably is. He sounds like a... Dirt. sucker. Yeah. You know you can't go too far down this road with me, I, or we'll never get to the end of it. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to know what kind of eggs you liked. I, listen. Eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Because of, let's get back on topic here. Because of the, or I love eggs. My whole family loves eggs. I like them anyway. I prefer them over medium on top mm-hmm. of some sort of potato scramble meat oh, bacon yeah. sausage. Like, I, if I can get them like that, I'm good. I agree. But, well, I coached that. is really underrated too. I would say. You, it sounds like uh, you're going to be buying your eggs <laughs> at for least a while. for the foreseeable well, future. Well, our, of, our solo roosters present, is giving us like one a day now, so she's doing pretty good. Yeah. So we've been we've been saving. We got to save up to have a really good meal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I know you just want to jump right on it. I'm so not, go ahead. What kind of eggs I'm do you like? I'm trying to um, over medium okay. or poached. Uh, preferably. Um, there you go. However, like Caleb, I like my eggs just about anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, Coach O knows I'm the um, egg supplier for the admin building. He's lately. the distro. Yeah, yeah I just got some last week, actually. Yeah, I mean. we've got a couple of dozen chickens. Uh, we are down a few. Uh, springtime tends to, to, for that to happen. Um, matter of fact, I was feeding the chickens this morning right after daylight. That's what I do before I come to work and man I saw a coyote flash through the through the edge of the woods down he was eye, eyeballing the chicken pen now I had a German Shepherd with me that you know he won't be back for a while but he's going to show back up at some point mm-hmm. I feel your pain Caleb yeah you lose a chicken every now and then I've never lost like 19 out of 20 <laughs> <laughs> but well we gave some away thinking no four, like 10 yeah. is plenty you know <laughs> 10 is plenty and then you yeah. just you just don't know. And then people really like talk about free, do you free range your yes. chickens? Well, yeah. I mean, so they go in they've got a place to go, they go in and out at night, okay. yeah. And they, they like the trees. I mean, they've got a you know, 30-foot yeah. cedar tree they go way up in. So nice. they're pretty smart. Yeah, so these chickens I don't even know chickens could do trees. that to be honest. Oh yeah. They love to go up high, but they free ranging is overrated, I think in my opinion now, because of the fact that there's so many stinking hawks. Yeah, they yeah. can just come down. Point. I watched. Them. We watched three of them just mm-hmm. get swooped up, and we were like, "Wow, whoa!" Like they just come down, pin them down, and take off. I'm like, "Well, free ranging." I is, bet that was traumatic for the kids. Yeah, we want a free range. You know, we want the chickens to live a good athletic yeah. life out <laughs> yes. there. Free yes. ranging, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's like mm-hmm. we've got to protect our investment a little right. bit better sometimes. You know, my so. in-laws have a bunch of chickens, and they live in Colorado where they're golden eagles. Which are yeah. oh, huge. Yeah. They're like bigger they can than pick bald up eagles. Yeah, <laughs> and and they a golden eagle swooped down and pounced on one of their chickens, and they ran outside, 
and it didn't actually kill it. They said it wasn't even bleeding or anything, but they said they were trying to feed the chickens to get them to calm down after they were all freaking out because this eagle was there, and that one chicken was just sitting there wide-eyed, wouldn't move. Yeah. Was I was like, yeah, that would be pretty traumatic. Yeah. A golden eagle. This How do you like your topic, eggs, Coach though, right? Uh I, I like mine um, over medium. But when I was younger, I liked them scrambled or, or fried hard. I, I thought that runny yolk was just disgusting. Yeah, and a lot of our kids have a problem with that yeah. for some reason. You get older. I don't that's know, the only way I can eat them. You cherish it's like gold. That's Literally exactly gold. right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. <laughs> would you say this is one of the secrets to playing in the NFL? Is is a growing up appreciating I would say eggs? yes. I would, uh, I would promote egg consumption to yeah. all kids who are looking to go to the next level. I agree. High you, can't protein. The, you can't go to the next level without steady diet of eggs Mm-mm. every morning. 100% correlation between over medium <laughs> eggs and people that made it to the NFL. There wow. you go. I would venture to say someone needs to do a study, maybe yeah. like Harvard yeah. or, you know, Forney yeah. High School or something. <laughs> They're about the same. <laughs> Inside Scoop right here on the 126. I'm going to end it with this, Addison. If you think you've had rooster problems, get a, a male peacock and oh. see how he behaves in the spring. I got a call from my mother-in-law the other day. It's a true story. Um, that. She asked me to come to her house and so she could get out of her car because he wouldn't <laughs> let her out of the car. Wow. He, he was he, peacocking. He was. And he, he did. He chased my car down the, down the road this morning after I fed chickens. I'm leaving. He's chasing my car down the road. He's tough. Birds are terrifying. Yeah. I got to tell Andrea that story so that way. She really wants, like, all kinds of weird stuff, peacocks. We saw some at the zoo. At, you want a tiger after a tiger area. Yeah. And, yeah, and so now I need to tell her. He's they're kind of like though. roosters, you know. He's good, though. It's just in the spring, you know, but they're so pretty. He gets riled up. The, you know, they're, they're a really pretty animal. They that sure makes are. up for it. I can pick him up and be riding the car with me sometimes. He's always <laughs> trying to injure you, though. Only Really, it's only if you're carrying. She's trying to carry groceries. He really has a problem if you're carrying something. My wife suspects she has, uh, she has hypothesized that it's like when you gather eggs, he goes nuts. And he mm-hmm. did almost knock the egg. I was bringing eggs to Advent right. one day. He broke, you, you saw the bucket. Yeah. He broke 12 eggs. You saw eggs, the destruction. jumped up and kicked the bucket, tried to kick it out of my hand. Um, He's a saboteur. I know. This was Literally. supposed to be a professional sports. <laughs> one, two, six. And we're talking about peacocks. You never know what happens on the ozone. That's, That's right. true. It can go anywhere. No, it can. <laughs> it has. All right. So we're going to move on from the ozone now. Um, so... Coach Weaver kind of went through your bio a little bit. Um, he mentioned some of the teams you play for, not all of them. I've told you before, once a Brown, always a Brown, even though I don't, I don't know <laughs> if you spent a week on the Browns. <laughs> you spent a week with I the Browns. I tend Brown. to just skip over that yeah. in, in, anytime I'm talking about yeah. it. No. It is a good story, though. But. You're a Brown. Um, so you've been all over the place. What is special about Forney to you and your family? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I've talked about this at a few different events. Um, I think for me, it's just, you know, it's where I grew up, number one, and it's always has a special place to me. It's changed a ton. I mean, it changes every year, you know, like crazy. It's, uh, I don't know when it's going to stop or if it will. But, uh, so it's a lot different than when, when I was living here full-time as a teenager and at high school. But um, I think the people, like the, the attitude, the kind of the culture around town, it's still really laid back. Um, very much. I think where people take pride in the city, you can see like a lot of towns that are small town, quote unquote, small towns, at least still has a small town feel. Um, a lot of the towns like that, they tend to get dilapidated and, 
you know they don't take pride and care of their stuff but you can tell the city the school board the everybody you know takes really good care of of their things we 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 value this area we value the town enough to where we're updating it there's new things coming in all the time the parks are really up and coming um so i think that's what i like most about it um you know I'm partial because I grew up and sure. I lo loved my experience here. And I just, you get so many memories just driving around, even just passing Bell Park right here. I mean, I'm not sure if it's still a hot spot for homecoming pictures mm -hmm. and all that, but that's what we did, you know, every year. And so, um, like that, that's a really cool part. And then just so many people and families that still live around here that, you know, I've known and grown up around that just make it feel cozy and like home. So. Mm -hmm. Not to mention a couple good, you know, spots to eat around yeah. town too. Yeah, that's right. What's your so. What's your favorite foreign well, restaurant? You know, I got to give a shout out to Madre's Casina. It's mm -hmm. the the OG around here. Um, Mama's daughters is super good. Obviously, we're brunch people. We like eggs. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, the new spot yeah. over the new like brunch spot over Nina's brunch. Nina's. Yeah. I have not been there yeah. yet. I've been there. It's good. Really yeah. good. Good atmosphere. So, uh, you a Whataburger guy? Say yes. Oh. Who's not a water? Bird? Okay, yeah, yeah that's what Texas. we need to hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody, everybody, everywhere I've been, Colorado for five years, you know, Chicago for six years, um, six years now, um, they always ask me about Whataburger. It's like a that? cult thing, yeah. you know, and it, we're we're known for it. And I just hype. I say they say In and Out or Waterburger because I've I've had both. I'm like Whataburger. Yeah. In and Out is garbage. Not <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have really good what's sweet tea. What's your go-to Whataburger order? Oh, we like to ask people. I that. like the double bacon, double cheeseburger with bacon and like avocado. Okay. I can't remember the name of it, but that's my. The avocado. And when I go to Whataburger, I mean, I'm trying to stay healthy nowadays. Yeah. That's why you put you, the avocado on there? Yeah, avocado. <laughs> there you go. You know, it offsets the bacon in, yeah. a, in the second patty. Yeah. So got some greens. Excellent. Um, but more, yeah, more, more great water. advice from a professional athlete. Yeah. Now we're into nutrition. There you yeah. go. There we go. Avocado's a healthy fat. I don't yeah. know if everyone knew that, but mm -hmm. good to eat. Excellent. Um, All-time favorite Forney coach slash teacher. Oh, my gosh. You can pick one well, of these. Well, this is an easy pick, one for pick, me. Yeah. I mean, Neil Melillo, obviously. Okay. <laughs> um, just if he's a coach and teacher, he's yeah. the coach and teacher. Yeah. And so he, he was just – He's a cartoon character. He's one of the best guys. You'll everybody like. You've got to meet Coach Willow and have a conversation. Being in his, whatever, uh, can't remember the terminology, but his advanced English class or whatever. Humanities or whatever yeah. he taught. Yeah. He. It was like a college course, you know, debate, and he asked some very provocative questions <laughs> in there, which got the males and females fighting each other typically yeah. in class because. That's his his hypotheticals he, that he, he would wanted ask. to stir the pot, mm -hmm. and uh, he's an old Italian guy from up north, northeast, uh, New York area, I think. <clears throat> and he just—he's read like every book you can imagine. His house is like his whole living room is a library, like with the ladder that slides, like the legit one you think about. And uh, so, I mean, he stunk in practice. He like one year he he. Uh, he uh he cussed like a he cusses like a sailor, you know, and so you gotta kinda get over that part of it. It's a little different for Texans and like, yeah. oh my gosh, like this guy cusses like a New Yorker because he is. Yeah. 
And uh, and so one year he he had like a heat stroke at two days and came out the next day with a piece of cabbage underneath his hat, <laughs> like hanging out. And everybody's just like, "What are you doing?" Like, and he's just like, "Oh, this is what you do when you." have a heart attack you know you put cabbage <laughs> on your head and so uh like that's one thing i always remember about him but he was my quarterback coach he taught english everybody who was around in school when whenever he was a teacher yeah he was a mo- one of the most famous teachers in the school just because mm-hmm. of his provocateuring yeah uh attitude and style but you know he's like Five, six, probably 250 pounds, and like just gray hair, beard, like Santa Claus, and uh, loud, boisterous. Yep. He was he was my favorite, probably coach teacher combo. Obviously, Coach Rush um, was instrumental in my life, so he's one of my favorites too. Um, you know, just great guy. Great. He was a he was a teacher. He taught like world history before he got the head coaching job. Which was like the biggest joke of a class, and I tell him that to his face, and he knows it. But I think he was over there like drawing defensive plays, and we were like copying the summary and overview of a chapter in the world history book. And so it's like it was just a funny class. I mean, he he would play. Uh, this is not good for Forty Eyes D. Uh, uh, let me say <laughs> he doesn't work for Forty Eyes D anymore. So I gotta, I gotta say, number one, uh, uh, we do we don't curse in the athletic department any longer. So there you Coach go, good Malolo job, Coach. Retired, right? He, we, that was retired with him. Um, he was grandfathered in from the old yeah, old days. I, yeah, I yeah. Guess so. And I, Coach Malolo is he's an outstanding teacher. I think his, his goal was really to get kids teacher. to think for themselves and to engage in that thought, right? To to get outside the box. I think he did a great job with that probably did the same thing with football absolutely um, you know our coaches are excellent teachers <laughs> also instructors i mean you know it's a different time a different mm-hmm. age and um but both of those guys certainly had uh, a deep impact on a lot of kids yeah, for sure in po- in very very positive ways and um that's kind of what i wanted to follow up with is on that favorite coach or teacher deal is what what are things that you took from growing up as a kid in Forney with some of the attributes you talked about before, being exposed to some of those coaches and, and just the people here in the community. What are things that maybe maybe lessons or values that you took out of Forney that have have been applicable at the collegiate level and even beyond that in your professional career? Yeah, that's a tough question. There's so many things and you want to give a good answer because you know, well so many things a is a good yeah, I mean, it's a I good mean, it's a lot right there's there's so many things but there's i think the discipline um that was instilled through football and sports and athletic program here and the pride that was taken in just taking care of your locker room taking care of the field um your classrooms you know showing respect to your teachers and your your principals and your admin and uh down to the janitors and the the lunch people and that serve lunch and I think that kind of discipline mixed with respect um, was instilled at a young age. A lot to do with family and church and everything as well. Sure. Um, but that's kind of ingrained in the culture in Forney anyway. It's family oriented, respect uh, oriented, discipline like hard work, earn your way through. Um, nothing should be given to you. I think we tend to, and even in my cult, you know, time growing up and graduating in 2004, we were still very entitled as kids. I think we naturally as human beings are feel like entitled and selfish type of people, but uh, you really got to fight against that 
urge to, to just serve yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. And from a young age and, and just growing up through the school system and like I said, with parents and church in this area, it's kind of nothing's really given to you and people will, will put you in your place pretty quick if you start acting that way. And I hope, I hope and pray for my kids and, you know, the kids in Forney and school districts now and just around town that, that that's still being valued and knowing the people that are in charge around here, uh, you know, it's not going to go away, you know, mm -hmm. the way it's yeah. not getting lost. Discipline so. and respect always a premium, <laughs> right? Doesn't matter where you are, how, what level you attain, um, always a premium. And probably that, a higher premium maybe these days than ever before. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're coachable, uh, I think that's a big thing too. Like if you're coachable, uh, you're going to go far no matter what you're doing. If it's a job, sports, um, whatever, you know, raising a family, those type, anything you've got to, if you, I think the, the quote is of a wise man accepts criticism you know, a fool turns away uh, criticism. And so that's so true. Like the wisest people I know are always trying to, f they don't want to live with errors in their life and the mistakes. They want to get them fixed. And, um, you know, the best players that I, I still do some private quarterback lessons just here and there, nothing like for work or anything serious, but, um, but I'll just get asked every now and then from, Friends or family friends or just friends of or just people around who know me um, and so the best kids I work with are always the ones that are just coachable anything you tell them right away they 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 don't think oh I know I already know this part you know they listen to every detail in sports is so in quarterbacking especially there's so many details that go into you know a three-step drop for instance like People just kind of think, oh, it's just three-step drop. I already know how to do that. Well, no, there's there's so many minute details that can take you from, you know, when you start and you don't know how to do a three-step drop, you're at zero percent of expertise, of perfection. When you, you first learn how to just do the steps, you're about 50% of the way there. You know, and then from the, the, the ne every level you go up, you can learn that extra 10, 20% until you get close to being perfect you know, at some point in your life, you, I don't think you ever really reach it. Argue, it's arguable, you know, on a three, on a, especially like a three-step drop. I think it's attainable, you know. But but certain things like you're yeah. always striving for that mm -hmm. next percentage. I think you'll hear guys like Tom Brady talk about. Like I remember watching a segment on him, and and a private quarterback lesson, and the, his coach was like, just tweaked this little thing with his knee being bent or something. And he's like, oh, I felt so. I felt this like way better. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, that's going to make a huge difference. And he's like, honestly, it might make one percent difference yeah. in Tom Brady. But yeah. for Tom Brady, he knows, like that one percent takes him from ninety-five to ninety-six. Right. You know, on the scale of a hundred. And so, for him, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, but for most people, it's like they don't they don't value that. You know, they want to see a big change. Right. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, that little change is going to help me on that one extra pass that year in an important game, and it's going to make me more accurate, you know, maybe complete one more ball out of a 1,000, you know. And so I just thought it's always uh, coachability, like, to me is just invaluable. And even in, like, I've been in business, and uh, I helped run a, a startup company for three or four years, and um, I'm still involved as an ambassador, but... 
um, there's people I hired and, and I went through that whole thing of training and like, mm-hmm. and man, it is just so hard to find people that will take criticism and, and not get their affected so badly that they can't operate and function, you know? Yeah. And so there's always some ambiguity involved in your life. I think, I think Jerry Jones once said he thinks he attributes his success to being able to thrive in ambiguity. Mm. And I always took that. Uh, it was like a HBO sports segment with Joe Buck or something. Those are uh, awesome. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I was like, that's so true, especially at the NFL level when you're, if you're a backup quarterback, your your job is always ambiguous. Like every August you go in and you don't know if you're going to be on the team by the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And so it's very, very stressful mentally and just can weigh on you. And if you cannot thrive in that ambiguity, you're dead. Like you're done. There's always a rookie that's cheaper you know, than you right. trying to take your job. And they want the rookie to do take your job because he saves you $200,000 or whatever as a team. And the you know bean counters are still worried about that two hundred thousand, yeah. even though they've got billions. But um, so, if you can't function within that ambiguity, then you're toast. Yeah. But uh, the coachability ties into that because you've got to be able to accept criticism for what it is. You know, realize that you're not you haven't arrived. You know, you still got a lot to do to prove, and um, and take it and you know. Go so I, I mean those things are some of the things that come to mind. But well, you know, your sister said you'd gotten smarter over the years. And <laughs> we were sure to get some good sound bites from you because of that. Well, mm-hmm. We certainly did. We Be did. coachable. Yes, yeah, that's stuff. just that's not just for kids. Yeah, I know that's a fact. We we had a, we had a new head coach come in this morning that we met with, and, and it's one of the things we were talking about is asking questions, being willing to learn, and seeking to learn mm-hmm. applies to as you said any mm-hmm. level whether you're the. You know, you're trying to make the eighth grade team, yeah. <laughs> or you're a professional, and, and you're trying to learn how to throw a football to trying to learn trying to make a pro football team and be mm-hmm. a starter. You like, bet. Coachability is is a, a huge attribute that's a lot of times not talked about. Everyone talks about hard work and. Be they up might early. say the word, but nobody yeah. ever really defines it. Exactly. No one ever really talks about. Oh, coachability is hearing something you don't want to hear. And taking it for what it's worth, and yeah. and boiling it down. Oh yeah, this is what this means to me. It's not a and then insult. putting it into action, right? Immediately, right? Like the, one coach in college, uh, it was actually Coach Dan Hammerschmidt, who's at Oklahoma State. Who um, is it? Don Sterling, Ron Sterling, Ron, Ron. Uh, just met downstairs. You know, his son's at Oklahoma State safety. Yeah. He's playing for Coach Hammerschmidt. He was my college quarterback coach and coordinator at Colorado State. So we were chatting for a second, and then I got to thinking, like, that dude, um, that dude taught me a lot. He expects perfection. You know, he he taught me how to, or he, the coachability aspect and defining it, like you were talking about, Addison. Like that that guy taught me a ton. You know, mm-hmm. from from that side of things. But um, there was something else I wanted to say about him, but. Slips my mind. It's all right. We're going <laughs> to jump back real quick to some high school stuff real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you telling me this. I think it was one day at church or something. How many passes did you throw your first year playing for <laughs> Forney's varsity team? Yeah, this is a great stat. Um, so I split time, first of all, caveat, as a sophomore on the varsity with every series, we switched off starts. We switched off series the entire season with a senior quarterback, just uh, Jason Bryant. And, um, and so – I thought it was a win. We it didn't really matter because 
we ran the wing tee. <laughs> yeah. And so we had DeBrian Blanton, who is like was the fastest kid in the country or yeah. top yeah, two the time, that yeah. year. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we handed him the ball. He scored like 40 touchdowns, and he only played till halftime in every game. So, yeah. like, I didn't have much to do with the, the, the success of the team. Did you play with a faster player after high school than you did? Than I don't think so, honestly. <laughs> well, honestly, I don't think so. The dude, he was an Olympic at, uh, track star. Yeah. He ran like a 4.2640 or something like that, or 4.29, and uh, like a 9 sub 10 uh, 100 meters. Like, yeah. That's crazy to think, right? Oh, yeah. Like trying to hand him the ball on like a outside zone play in a wing tee offense was like, the most effort I put in during the football game at that time, <laughs> mostly. So, yeah, to answer your question, I was 16 for 18 in district uh, that year. Okay. 16 18 for 18, passes. seven touchdowns. That's okay, pretty good. I still remember this yeah. stat because I remember I was, like, the top in the, um, in the region in the Dallas Morning News or whatever for completion percentage. It's, like, 90% <laughs> or whatever it is. And so I was like, well, this – it, you had to throw like ten passes to yeah. qualify, so yeah. I barely qualified. Um, but yeah, funny, fun times. A lot. Y'all probably didn't from, throw forty as a team. No, because Jason probably threw the same, yeah. about the same amount. Wow. So, but yeah, it was, and it's funny. Like sixteen of those completions, seven of them were touchdowns. Because yeah. like we just faked it to Brian, and everyone's wide open. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't take much. <laughs> You know, it didn't take much to – I think that the two incompletions were probably throwaways on, like, a, a bootleg rollout yeah. or something, you know. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that's that's a good stat. Yeah. People can Absolutely. register that for, like, some contests later. Yeah. How just, many touchdowns did Caleb – or how many passes did Caleb Haney <laughs> throw? That's going to be our water question. Yeah, that's yeah. a good oh, idea. Yeah. That will be go. one later. All right, so um, so by your senior year, obviously throwing some more passes. Yeah. Um, how many D1 offers did you get? Ooh, um, let's see. Were so, you getting a lot? Were you no, I wasn't. So you don't get, throw the ball enough. You don't <laughs> get noticed too much. You're so, like, thing about recruiting and, and even more nowadays yeah. is kids are getting offered as freshmen, you know, the big-time quarterbacks. So, like, Texas is ripe for the picking for blue-chip quarterbacks. I think my year – all the major programs, A&M, Texas, um, Texas Tech, like all the big schools here, um, had already had committed quarterbacks for last year and a half by the time I was a junior. And so my junior year, we started throwing the ball a little more. This is why I also like Coach Rush. Thank you for changing the offense <laughs> a little bit. I think my first game, so my this is another reason that makes that other stat ridiculous. My first game, as a junior, I threw 21 passes. Night, I was like 19 for 21. And so I completed more yeah. and threw more in one game my junior year than I did my whole sophomore season. Well, that tells you how much we changed from, oh, yeah. you know, we still ran some wing T stuff, but we were, we did some shotgun, which everybody at the time, all the old timers, their minds were blown. Right. That we were running shotgun. Like in the Titans. Remember yeah. the Titans were like, who do they think they are? The New York Jets? Because they ran shotgun <laughs> yeah. on one play. Exactly. So, um so yeah a lot changed you know from there and uh but anyway that's why i didn't get any offers early my senior year i had a, a, a ton of we threw the ball a ton relatively uh nowadays it would be like oh you didn't throw very much right but uh for us it felt like a ton and so um i had my first offer was from university of houston 
um, Art Bryles was the head coach, and he offered me after my junior season uh, in the spring. I got a letter from him. Hadn't heard from him, talked to him at all, and the letter came in the mail, handwritten, and I took it to Coach Melillo actually in the coach's office, and I said, "Hey, what does this mean?" He's like, "Well, they're offering you a scholarship," and I was like, "Oh." Because I said it in there, but I'm like, is this real? Right. And so, because I hadn't heard really from anybody at that time. And so I had been to some camps in the summer. And I went, my my parents always took it upon themselves to pay, you know, whatever it was expensive to go to these college camps. Back in the day, those were kind of the way to get recruited before Huddle and all this stuff now. The technology that coaches don't even have to travel very much. But um, so I went to the Baylor camp, went to Texas Tech. Uh, wreck them went to a bunch of others um, and Art Bryles said he saw me at he was the running back coach at Texas Tech and he's like I saw you in a 7 on 7 leading the team and throwing the ball at that camp and it was like not even in drills it was just hey let's play 7 on 7 at the at the end of camp and he's like I knew you were a leader and you know then we went and watched your high school tape and you know that's so coaches are always watching. Always watching. And so I, I always told kids, like, you need to go to those. I mean, even if they're a day camp and whatever, and it's not like you're not getting a ton of, like, you're getting some things you can learn and take away, but a lot of it's just, hey, come buy a Texas Tech T-shirt and give us $400, you know, for our charity or whatever yep. we're putting it towards. And, like, it's mostly recruiting for the come to our school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, because you're, you're probably not going to get a scholarship. Right. <laughs> So come pay us to, to go to our school. Uh, so anyway, I had that offer, and then I ended up getting offered from Baylor, Colorado State. Uh, so that's three. Then I had, I don't know if it was formal offers, but like, hey, we'll offer right. you if you'll do this. Like they wanted me to switch positions to tight end. Mm. Oregon wanted me to play fullback. They said, hey, we've already signed our quarterbacks for the last two years, but we'd love for you to come play fullback. Mostly because... I was still lead blocking on a lot of plays. Like I would pitch the ball and then like run up. I was still like one of the biggest guys on the field. Uh, and so I'd run up through the A gap, like just right next to the center and, and like block linebackers. And so I had a lot of tape out there of me lead blocking. And I was, you know, 6'2", 220. So they were like, oh, it's perfect fullback size. And so, uh, so yeah, I had some random stuff like that. Missouri, I think, when they, they said they would offer me uh, TCU wanted me to play tight end, um, so I still give the coach. Right. I think we we've I've seen that recruiter. He's still there. He's coaching O line, and we always give him crap about. Yeah, oh, yeah. Caleb would have been a good tight end. The <laughs> NFL thought so, right? Yeah. Uh, so I would have went to TCU if they would offer me quarterback because I loved it there. Oh yeah, yeah. So is that was that just the? Did you know that pretty early on? You were like, I'm playing quarterback. Yeah, That's I mean, it. I probably would have been willing to switch. At the time, I wasn't stuck in. I just wanted to mm-hmm. go play football, but um, but I had enough interest at quarterback to not have to, right. you know, really take those very serious or like, you know, I didn't have to mm-hmm. switch. So I, I still had an offer from Baylor and, and Colorado State to go play quarterback. So I remember but, watching Caleb play from the press box at Citibank Stadium in uh, when he was in high school. I don't know if it was junior or senior year, but <clears throat> I was watching the game with Mark Harris. You remember Coach Harris, mm-hmm. basketball coach yeah. at, at uh, uh, Forney High many many years ago, and. Uh, we're just watching the football game. I remember Mark saying, "Is that a pro arm?" 
do you think that's a pro arm? You know, and I said, I got you, Mark. I don't know. Yeah, you know, he's going to play college football. I think this is his junior year. Uh, he'd already picked that out. That was that was always interesting to me that sure enough, yeah. uh, that yeah. came to pass. It definitely was a pro arm. Whatever. Um, you were like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't You're know. Dumb. What did you really say, Coach? <laughs> you didn't have much zip on that last one. <laughs> yeah. I might have. Yeah. <laughs> I might, if I ever doubted you, Caleb. It was um, that moment. It's confirmed. <laughs> it was that moment. But, you know, your confirmations today on yep. the 126. There you go. Um, yeah. We've, we've, uh, Way to you, eat, you're Crow. You're our first, first uh, guest on this very special summer series. So we're we're running long, as I thought we That's okay. This might. Is good so we're stuff. Gonna, we're going to run through some stuff real quick. So you go to you go to Colorado State. It, am I remembering correctly that you had some really long run in like your first play with Colorado State or your first start or something like that? Uh, it was one of the first one of the first starts or yeah. plays. I think I ran. I, I don't know. My my first game action was against San Diego State. Our starter got broke his leg, mm. and he was a senior. And I just came out of redshirting the two weeks prior, and into like, hey, we're going to make you the backup. Which at the time I was like excited, but I was also like, man, this kind of stinks. I'm wasting a year. I'm not going to get to play. Yeah. But it was just for the team, right? For the team. <laughs> uh, so it it looked it worked out because. I got to go play right then as a true freshman, and uh, and yeah, I had a longer run that game. I think one of my other games, I had like a fifty-three yard quarterback draw against Utah, I think, okay. and they were like the top one of the top teams in the country that year with Alex Smith and Eric yeah. Weddle on defense. Now I threw three picks in the first quarter, <laughs> but I still had a fifty-three-yard touchdown. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I did. I just vaguely – that's one of those things I vaguely remember as, like, a kid because whenever I was, you know, young, yeah. we heard about, you know, oh, their starter got hurt, Caleb's going to play, yeah. you know, as a freshman. And we're so we would watch games when we could and stuff. Yeah. But I remember hearing about some some long run. But anyway. Yeah, there was a couple of little runs there yeah. I had. Um, so – After that level, though, I didn't stopped, run very far. stopped running. <laughs> yeah. I ran – I think I had, like, a 13-yard run. Yeah. In, oh, no, I had, like, a – 30 something or 40 yard run against the Raiders. Okay. Uh, my first start. It was like, oh, I don't need to go through the details. Yeah. It was uh, pretty fun, though. Um, so, <laughs> no one thought it was going to come. That's why it was wide open. <laughs> so, you were undrafted. Were you yeah. expecting to be drafted? Tell us about draft night story. How did you end up getting, you know, who called you, yeah. all that stuff? So, we kind of knew, we knew of a couple teams that were interested and they had flown me in for. So, the draft process works like teams typically, not from last year's coronavirus nonsense, but teams typically can fly you in to get a physical look at you. You can sit down with coach and talk. You know, they, they usually give you their own physical on site. And so I had gone, I knew I was gonna be a later round draft pick just cause we didn't have a very good season. We were three and nine, I think, or something as a senior. But I ended the season well, like one, three, the three wins were towards the end of the year. And so, um, and I still played well, obviously, honestly, um, to get a, a good shot. So I knew I was going to be like a later pick, if at all. And so I knew it was still a very good possibility. I was undrafted free agent. That's kind of what happens. There's two sections. Typically, when you're the day of the draft, the last day of the draft, now it's a three-day whole circus, but the last day of the draft, the next two hours are like frantic for teams calling all the guys like me, who they really valued, but... In the NFL, there's only seven. They only have at most, I mean, like 10 picks, 12 picks, mm -hmm. if they have, like, a lot of 
picks, but I mean, one pick per round typically is seven picks. A lot of players um, that are out there. So I was at the house here in Fox Hollow, um, my parents' house. We had mostly family over, probably 20 people or something, just watching the draft. And um, and so got I knew from Chicago was interested and in like Indianapolis and the Cowboys are, uh, actually, and then like Seattle I think, because I had talked to our my agent had talked to some scouts had talked to like their GM at Chicago and had a good relationship with him, so I knew they were interested. So I we had kind of gone through the exercise beforehand of all right if these teams are here we're gonna go with Chicago because their quarterback situation was the the most in flux. Like they yeah. had Rex Grossman and Kyle Orton and they were kind of both on the outs with the Chicago city at least and fighting against each other. We figured one of those was going to be gone the next season. And so um, that was a good chance to go in there and compete. So we didn't really know, got the call, didn't really, or we were watching towards the end of the draft. Um, I was kind of ticked off when Houston picked another quarterback in front of me because I knew the coach's son. Gary Kubiak, his son played on my college football team. Oh, yeah. And I was like, really, Gary? I mean, I know the guy now. <laughs> Alex Brink was the quarterback from Washington State. But I was like, and he was a good player. But I was thinking, like, come on, Gary. Like, seventh round, you're going to pick this guy over Colorado State? Like, because Kubiak had some ties to our team yeah. and our coach and all that. Anyway, um, yeah, so I got calls from – I talked to Jason Garrett that, that day and uh, not Jerry Jones, maybe J Stephen Jones or something. So that was kind of hard to like turn down at oh, the time because yeah, sure. it was like, oh man, the Cowboys and Jason Garrett. I remember watching him and Thanksgiving as a third third string quarterback come in and tear it up. And so that was kind of cool to get a call from them. But I, I kind of knew always we were going to choose Chicago. Mm -hmm. So, well, there you go. So um, we do. Um, you had an interesting thing that you did some research on. Yeah, you know, we've got to research our guests a the little bit. The touchdown thing or whatever? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting to statistic I saw on you that uh, you were the first quarterback since 1983 that had that threw a touchdown completion in a playoff game before a touchdown oh, yeah. in a regular season game. Yeah, I think I, I remember hearing that stat. Someone, it came up on ESPN or something. Mm -hmm. Like, first start was actually... My first touchdown was, besides preseason games, was in a, was in a playoff game, and it's probably even more rare that it's in the NFC Championship yeah. game. Exactly. Like there's, pro I don't know if there's anybody else that has ever had that. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. Their first touchdown in the NFC Championship or it, NFC or AFC Championship game. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. The yeah, only one greater than that's a Super Bowl. That's right. right. <laughs> so that year, if we would have won that game, I would have been here in Dallas. Yeah. For the Super Bowl, which would have been really cool. Oh, I remember yeah. Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith, he's an East Texas guy. He's from Big Sandy, I think. And uh, he, I come over to the sideline. He's like, hey, get us to Dallas. Get us to Dallas, Caleb. Get us back home. Get us back home. I was like, I'm trying. Next play, pick six, but B.J. Raji. So that play is like this <laughs> Thanks, coach. pretty famous play because yeah. B.J. Raji, you know, he scores this, this pick six, which he – He's a defensive lineman, doesn't happen yeah. that often. And then he rubbed his belly and yeah, he had like this. Yeah, shook his belly all over. Yeah, so all these people knew about this. And do you remember when we're sitting, me and Caleb taught seven, or, um, junior boys in Sunday school. Yeah. Um, and we're sitting there, and do you remember Luke 
in our class, you, you're, y'all are mouthing to each other, and without a second's hesitation, he yells at you, well, at least I didn't blow it in the NFC Championship game, and all of us just looked at, at him like, <laughs> you just said that, man, like, oh my yeah. gosh, and you laughed at I it more than us. But, yeah. <laughs> 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 but you, I remember you just, wow, yeah. couldn't believe he said that. But anyway, we did. He, was a, he had a special way of delivering things, I yes. think, that kid, Luke, that Oh. I didn't really get mad about it. I was no, just like, I mean, you laughed so before all of us, and then we were like, oh, okay, it's funny. But, you know, he knew his stats. I mean, he was spot on. He, knew, <laughs> he did. He, he, so he, he, was, he was obviously a fan. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. yeah he was. Um, uh, so we were doing research, Addison, right? I, yes. I found that. We found uh, something else. Coach O actually came across an interesting <laughs> t- statistic. So listen, so while, <laughs> while the boys are looking for touchdowns and completions <laughs> and stuff, you know, I'm I'm just looking for other stuff and – I came across something, and I just need you to verify or deny. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's public knowledge. It's on the Internet. It's according to um, idlenetworth.com. <laughs> okay. All right. It, it said you're worth $980 million. <laughs> oh, gosh. I can confirm that that's not true. Um, you, you actually beat Tom Brady by $800 million. <laughs> that's great. So, I, that's I why people financial have been advisor. coming to me lately. Yeah. But well, I turned my... My measly earnings into nine hundred eighty million. Nine hundred eighty. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. You can use your discernment, um, but yeah. No, that's we're, a, we're gonna. You have, can send I, potential clients yeah. to that website say, though, hey. and just say, "Hey, I'm not confirming or not. This is on the internet. You can yeah. check it out if you want." Well, yeah. I argued it. I was like, "He's a financial advisor. He did it. He he flipped yeah, she, his money." She came in. We're gonna have a billionaire on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. I would be the richest guy to come out of the NFL. Do Ever. you know who the richest guy is currently? That's a former player. Well, that's that a former player. A former player. Yeah, he's a former player. Well, so that uh, our water a, question that's a, that's last week was the who is the highest paid NFL player in history? Well, right. I think NFL contract wise, I think I know the answer. I don't want to spoil it. Well, yet. it's our, we already have a winner. Contract wise, win. Mahomes, right? It's Mahomes. Yeah, that's but he contract. hasn't made all the money. But, yet, but his but. contract hasn't matured. So right. 2026, he's got to get to 2026 yeah. right. to fully realize that. But, but my question I guess is, on yours, the, former player. the richest former player, no matter where he made his money. So he he mostly oh. made his money after the NFL, I'll tell you that much. Is it? It's a Dallas Cowboy. Is it? Oh. Famous Dallas Cowboy. Yes, it is. Um, is it? Hold on a second. It's Roger Staubach, it isn't is it? Because he bought all that real estate in yes. DFW. He had a huge real estate firm. Yeah. He's he sold it for like... Eight hundred million or something like you yeah. can look that one up. It's either six hundred or eight hundred or nine hundred, yeah. something in the hundred, yeah. upper hundreds hundred of million. He's, he's, he's still not worth as much as you, though. <laughs> he's still not or worth as much as me. Nine hundred eighty million. That's right. You're apparently. loaded. <laughs> um, I heard another thing. Uh, there was a Seahawks player that negotiated part of his contract a few years yeah. ago in Bitcoin. Russell Okun. Last Russell Okun. Yeah, and so he was actually the highest paid player yeah, in the NFL year. because because of, of the value of the yeah. Bitcoin. Wow. It's crazy. It rose. I, I bet NFL teams are not going to do that anymore. I don't so Coach know o, if they would or It'd not. be risky. Like, <laughs> you got to tell us. We do have a winner. Yes, from, from last, last week. week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, it's Taylor Jeffs. Taylor She's Jeff. a second-time winner. Is she really? Yes, oh, uh, wow. from North Forney. Is that acceptable, Addison? I guess so. We need people stepping up. We're going to have to make a rule. Yeah, well. <laughs> It'll give her one more. She gets another one, and it's like, oh, okay, three, yeah. three times max. That's a well, we had a lot of incorrect answers, but the yeah. correct answer was Drew Brees. Drew oh. Brees. What was the question? He's made the, like, the highest made the yeah, in NFL history. earnings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I would not have guessed Drew Brees. Yeah. I, would either, but I think it changes this it year. Cha- yeah, after, 
and then again in 26. Yeah, it's going to yeah. continue. It'll keep, it's just about yeah. Yeah, the way the contract, contract is. A, Tom yeah. Brady would have been, but he took all those. Took all those pay cuts. All those pay cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guarantee what? you, they. I mean, the, the owner His, Robert Kraft had to be just like sh- funneling money to him. Well, somehow they did the offshore account. It was the TB12 training center. The go. Patriots opened yeah. this massive athletic training center across the street from their facility that Tom Brady owns. Yeah. And so he was getting this separate revenue stream that he didn't yeah. really pay for. I bet you Jerry Jones does stuff like that, too. I heard through the grapevine that he gave, like, one of their former players, I think it was Michael Irvin, but I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, just money. Like, oh, hey, yeah. here's some money to get, like, a million dollars. Like, hey, here you go. And he's helped people to out. To take it of off the books, yeah. Take it off the books. He's helped people out in the business world. And, you know, it's funny, Emmett Smith uh, has his own real estate thing now, too, of which I think his offices are at the Star, where oh, the Cowboys yeah. are. Now, he has to probably pay for it, you know. But sure Emmett Smith Real Estate Properties, ESRP, my buddy worked for him, who was also a former Cowboy. Um, and so I think he's taken some mentorship from Roger Staubach. Yeah. He saw the... It sounds like a good place to get mentorship. No, right? Million, like, yeah. teach me. I will... Do, and that's Emmett Smith being coachable. Look at him. There he's you out go. There, there like, you go. I don't know how to do it. You do. Show me how to do it. There you and go. I'll follow follow directions. So, um, just a couple kind of fun. I questions. wish I had a billion. Yeah, that would be cool. We yeah. do a lot of cool stuff. Well, that's what I walked into the office. Forty would have some sick facilities. If yeah. I had a billion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they would be. What would the name of those facilities be? Haney Stadium. Know, that's, Haney. that's right. Yeah. Haney, Haney stadium. Farm. Yeah. We would make the the stadium would be like a barn. Yeah. Haney. Name. Haney. Like a ISD. No. We'd get Joanna Gaines to come in and. Model the, the farmhouse, and it would be like the Haney farmhouse yeah. coming in. Make my We'd wife have a roosters crowing. You would love that. We'd yeah. have roosters crowing on both ends. <laughs> there you go. Instead of the big sirens or something like yeah. that. I like the way you think. Now, that's vision. That is. That would be cool. Why do I feel like I'm in Lonesome Dove? There, there, <laughs> there wouldn't be another one like it. No, that there would wouldn't. be really cool, though. Speaking of, oh. you've been all over the country. Mm-hmm. What's a, what was the coolest stadium you ever played in? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, coolest stadium. Probably not one that was a barn. No, there are not many of those out there. Um, I think this, the Seahawks stadium is really cool, mostly because the crowd noise yeah. and, like, is really – it's ridiculously loud. Like, you can't even hardly think sometimes it's so loud. Like, it brain fog shakes mm-hmm. your vision a little. Like the Madden game, when it vision yeah. shakes, it's like they're trying to really – They're seeing if that's They're, they're trying to – yeah, that, it doesn't look exactly like that. But, like – and it's not all the time like that, but big moments of the games, like – that was a pretty cool stadium. Um, Lambeau Field, I yeah. mean, yeah. it's so historic. It's like in the middle of a neighborhood. Yeah, like all, all these little tiny all the houses. Ca- all, the, all the houses, like, rent their driveway out and, like, charge people to park. Hey, come park in my yard and walk two blocks, and you're at the stadium, yeah. 20 bucks, you know. There's nothing and, like the Packers. Uh, yeah, it's just a cool place to play. And, I mean, Green Bay is in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, where are we going? Yeah. I had no idea this is like where Green Bay was. So it's just an interesting. <laughs> it's interesting that they have a football team. A pro yeah, football team. and it's, it's owned by great. the fan, like the city, yeah. basically. It's owned by yeah. the fans. Own, and the fans own it. It's pretty cool. Um, so real quick, best player you ever played with? I think I know the answer, but go ahead. Yeah, that's an easy one. Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. um, who's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame this year, and I get, to, I do get to go to the Hall of Fame ceremony. I was that's invited cool. from really? Peyton. Yeah. And so, um, so I'm going to go to that in August. But he, he was just an all-time guy. I mean, he was already the best there was in my mind coming in to playing with him in Denver. 
and then we both came in as free agents. We were the two biggest free agent signings yeah. for the Broncos that season. <laughs> yeah, everybody was like, we got Peyton Manning and Caleb Haney. <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah. And I'm richer than him now. Yeah, that's crazy. Million. Even you with are. all his Papa John's money, you're richer than him. Way richer than him. So he he um, he was the best, man. He's just, just like he is on TV, like comedy timing-wise and everything. That's how he is in person. Just very genuine uh just a lead, good leader, like hard, everything you see, hard worker. First day in the, in the weight room, first day I met him was in the weight room. So I got signed, flew to Denver. We met in the weight room basically before lifting. And so we're in there like working out and uh, he starts looking around like, where the heck, where the heck of football is that? And everyone's, all the, the training staff is like, what? And then they're freaking out because they want to like, <laughs> do everything Peyton Manning says. And so he's like, we need some footballs. Go get some footballs. And, like, this little dude from the workout staff, he was, like, the third guy on the totem pole, like, takes off sprinting because the, the weight room was separate than the facility. So he sprints across the parking lot, runs over there, comes back with a bag of footballs, like, drops him out of breath. And I'm like, what are we doing? And, like, aren't we just, like, we're just yeah. rotating in the station as a team, like, in workouts. And so he's like... <laughs> Come on, we're gonna do some ball handling drills, and like, in between our lifts, we're like, doing quick handle, like, like throw it quickly and like, get rid of it, like try to get the grip and get rid of it, like one knee on one knee, like working on throwing off one leg, like grabbing the ball with one hand and like, getting the grip quick and all this, and I'm like, this dude is insane, <laughs> like, what are we doing? And then and so that was like, one of the moments I'm like, this is why he's different. Like right. this dude is on another level. Like he just that's just, it's just not a big deal really. It's those like, little things that you yeah, talk about. Yeah, it's like yeah. always working on something. You know, always wanting to to get better at quick release and grabbing the ball and keep that tuned in. You know, and uh, another funny thing about him, he he made us tuck our shirts in as quarterbacks on the field. And we were like, this is stupid. Like I want to <laughs> tuck my shirt in. I'm a grown man. So what do you think I did? I took my shirt. Yeah, <laughs> Peyton Manning. I was like, Peyton Manning. You can get over uh, it. He's been doing it, you know. There's something it. to it. There's, There's something some, to tucking your shirt in. Tuck Make sure. Shirt in. And I was like, I'll tuck my shirt in to be a pro bowler. Yeah. I'll do ball <laughs> drills in between uh, lifting. Yeah. And like, but he was great. I mean, he paid. He paid for uh, me and Brock Osweiler, who was the other quarterback on the roster that year, um, which I didn't know they were going to draft a second round quarterback when I signed. The, yeah. the plan was to have two veterans, and we battle it out. And then they draft a second-round quarterback. I was like, well, I mean, he's obviously going to be the backup. Yeah. They're going to make him be third string. Anyways, side point. Yeah. But uh, but Peyton flew us both to Hawaii, paid for us to go to Hawaii during the Pro Bowl, and, like, bought our hotel room and our flight. It's like, hey, just come hang out. Yeah. Like, Thanks for helping me out during the year. It's like I would always awesome. make all these cut-ups. Wow. I would go in and watch all, a lot of tape, and I would watch the TV copies – this is another like psycho thing of his, uh, which is a healthy psycho. Um, he would make me watch the TV copies and listen and see what of his words got caught on tape. Mm. So like, in most of the games, there was like 20 things we had to change every week because I'm like, well, you said Rita, 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 or whatever, yeah. and then we ran this play. You said Apple. You said there. Apple. <laughs> you said Apple. Everyone knows we're running left when you said Apple. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay, okay, you know. And it was valuable because yeah. we changed – we would make those dummy calls and, like – It's that 1% again. No one could really 
put it. You, there's no way anyone knew what we were doing because we there were so many dummy calls and cadence variations and all this stuff that it was like. But that was my job through the week. Was my biggest job was to watch the TV copy, see what got caught on tape, and he was always ticked off because they caught a lot on tape. Because he's always like camera on him. Everyone right. loves to watch him do like all this gyrations and everything on the field. <laughs> and uh, but most of the time when he's doing that stuff, he was just making it really simple for everybody else. Yeah. He was like telling everybody what to do essentially mm. wow so that everyone's on the same page so you may have just answered this this I've is a it's a follow-up question to this it kind of follows the same mm-hmm. deal i was going to ask you who's the greatest guy in the locker room right once you, you said Payton's mm-hmm. the greatest yep. player what about in the locker room most he the same way or are there other guys that were motivational is you know got the got people going that's a big piece of it especially yeah. at our level you know yeah, it's so important. No, for sure um, one of the best locker room guys I had was Joel Dreesen. He was a Colorado State, played with me at Colorado State, and then we played in Denver that one year I was there. Um, so that was, he was a great locker room guy. He was just a good guy pulling people together. Brian Erlacher was, was great, and him and uh, we had a lot of characters on that team that mm-hmm. were just like, they've all been together for like five years, which is rare that a big core group stayed together. So Charles Tillman, who was a Peanut Tillman, he was a good locker room guy, just kept everything light. He was always joking around. And I think those are the guys that make the locker room, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that can kind of make it a fun place to be. Yeah. You know? Anthony Adams, who's like yeah. at Spice, Spice Adams on uh, Instagram now. He's more <laughs> famous now than he was in playing football. <laughs> he was hilarious. Like, he's got yeah. all these. If y'all have ever seen, there's a gif of this. He's like a bigger black guy wearing a wearing a funny looking like suit, and he's he's like dancing out from behind a tree. Yeah, he's like looking out. All yeah, yeah, and he, or yeah. He looks out from <laughs> from this tree, and it's a gift that people use yeah. all the time, and nobody knows who it is, and that's yeah. Spice Adams. Yeah, yeah. It comes across every now and then. I'm like, oh, there's there's Anthony Double A, <laughs> and Spice Adams is what he goes by now. But he's always at he has a character, Cream Biggums, who's like <laughs> at all the basketball like NBA All Star games. He's yeah, always he plays there, in the like, celebrity acting all like he's good. He's wearing tall socks and short shorts and like. <laughs> Rex specs and he'll shoot it over the backboard. <laughs> he'll every like time. dribble and then like just like just be terrible. And yeah. That's like his character, you know. He's Green big. He's hilarious. He was a great locker room guy though because of that. Yeah, you know, you got to have some of those guys. Um, For sure. One more, um, the most raw talented player. Because oh, Peyton, gosh. you talk about all the things he did to be that good. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody. I mean, obviously Peyton had a good arm, but nobody's gonna say he's the most raw talented guy yeah. in the history of the NFL. Yeah, raw talent. So my Chicago days, Julius Peppers was on our team for my last two mm. years, and that dude is just raw talent. Mm-hmm. Like well put together as yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> I remember him. Yeah, he was basketball a, player at North he Carolina. Was a basketball player at North Carolina. He had the longest arms. He's like six, six. He wasn't as tall as I thought he would be because everyone says he's like oh he's like ridiculous athlete. He's only like six five, I think, mm-hmm. which is like only 6'5", right? But long arms, just instincts like crazy, could jump, could run, like super strong and powerful, like base. He was incredible. And then at Denver, it was probably either Vaughn Miller um, or or Demarius Thomas, who was a receiver. He was insane. Demarius. He was like 6'4", all of 6'4", 230, ripped, ran like a Mm 4'3", something. Catch could catch screens and take them ninety. You know, could mm-hmm. could go get jump balls. Could run routes like nothing. I mean, he was he was special. He was mm-hmm. the best. He was the best physically 
the most physically gifted like receiver I've been around. Yeah, those big wide receivers. I was happy to see some of them get drafted early this year. Yeah, because they've kind of been going out of style in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants Tyree Kill. Um, well, Des Bryant was. I played with him too, which he was. He was really like freaky, athletic yeah. like that too. But he was. But De- Demarius was a little bit faster. Like yeah, you know, De- Des was more of just a power guy. He could run. He ran great routes and just physical. Um, so. Another funny story. I think you told told me this one in Sweden um, was a hunting story that has to do with with the bears. One of your yeah. teammates hunting or something. I wonder if I should leave his name on. Is he still unsaid? playing? No, he's not playing. So Craig Craig Steltz, <laughs> yeah. he was my roommate. Um, we lived together all well f- three of the four years at, at Chicago, and uh, and his wife, him and his wife, and me and Andrea lived together in a big house. Like it was expensive to live up there so we just yeah. said hey let's split the rent and this is why even pro this, athletes is, why, have this is my value as a financial advisor. <laughs> um so uh yeah he he gets he's from louisiana he's from the bayou down in new orleans area and uh he starts getting into hunting and he's a bow hunter and and so he really hadn't grown up as in hunt like bow hunting but he got into it and the bears facility is it's surrounded i think it's like 14 acres of like forest preserve and it backs up to <laughs> hundreds of acres of forest preserve north of the city so craig goes and he had heard a story of one of the, another guy hunting on the property the bear's property and so he goes and t- talks to the, the the field guys or the uh what do you call them like the lawn guys mm-hmm. the guys that took care of the ground the groundskeepers they had their own office like out in the thing they were like the salty they're always there messing with the field he's like hey can i put a deer stand and in a certain area, like back by the railroad tracks, like in the woods, and they're like, "Yeah, sure, just we can't tell anybody." And then I'm like, "We'll deny it if you <laughs> if you tell anybody." So like, it's probably still there. Yeah. So Craig Craig goes out there and sets up a deer stand and like takes two big, huge, like you back to back years takes big bucks off the property, like shoots them, and like <laughs> he drives in at, after dark. And like, or like at dusk, like behind where no one could see, and then sets up his shop, yeah. and then like leaves at dark, and then like no one ever knows, except for the field guys. They like gave him the gate code or whatever, yeah. <laughs> or gave him like a hey, we'll come like take this key fob and like get in. So one one year he goes out and hunt and like shoots a buck, and he's like, he comes home at like eleven. I'm like, where you been? He's like, oh, it's hunting. I was, I shot this deer. He's like. I can't find it. I was like, you can't find it? What do you mean? He's like, I followed the blood trail. And it's funny, we're talking about a lot of animals. Yeah. Death yeah. On this, this <laughs> podcast. All the way back around. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go, full circle. So he's like, I followed the blood trail. It went right up to the practice fields. Oh. And, and he's like, and there's an event going on there tonight. Like all the lights are on. And like there's some corporate, you know, company that, sponsors the bears that have like a corporate event like a flag football game and like a big dinner inside and they're like watching the monday night football game or something there and he's like so i go i'm like crawling up <laughs> to the field and like i'm like oh my gosh that deer better not be on the field with an arrow sticking out of it and so he couldn't find it and so we went out of town i think it was like a friday actually so maybe a thursday night football game so we go out of town like that next day to an away game and it was cold in Chicago, thankfully for him. So we get back, and uh, we get back, 
and we're we're walking on like a Monday or Tuesday, and we're walking through um, on the field, and it starts snowing. So we go in, we walk into the indoor facility, which was a little bit of distance from the regular facility. He walks up next to me, and so like you got to kind of walk through this trail to get there. And there's like tall grass, and then for about 20 yards, and then trees. And he's like, Caleb, my deer is right there. And I was like, what? And he's like, don't look, don't like make a big deal about it. But it's like right there. And so I like look over to the left and like 10 yards off of this trail, you see this buck just laying down with these huge antlers. And nobody saw it except for me and him, Jay Cutler, because he's a hunter. So yeah. he kind of noticed. He's had, like, if you're not a hunter, yeah. until you start hunting and like getting outdoors, you don't really notice some of these things. Yeah. Like you don't respect. You don't really appreciate the nature and like whatever. So, and then this guy, Isaiah, who was our player development guy, who also hunted, I think he hunted on the property as well at one <laughs> point in time. So he's like, I can't believe it. He's like, that night went back and got it, and it was still like preserved because it was so cold. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so he was still able to get it mounted and save the meat and all this stuff. And I was like, man, you're like, the luckiest dude 10 yards away 10 yards away no one noticed it like his grass was tall enough to where it really blended in yeah and so i was like how did you not find that <laughs> well you just He's ruined like, well, it with a flashlight. you ruined it for any other oh. bear hunter that's true because right. everybody listens to the one that's yeah. right. all the chicago bears <laughs> yeah. staff listens virginia to mccaskey she's like 90 something years old and she's mm-hmm. the she's george hallis's daughter actually still the, the main owner of the team mm-hmm she probably listens to the one two six. Yeah. Yes, a lot of people. She's been do. to like every single Bears game. She's a big podcaster since like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's the best lady ever though. Like she she invited Andrea to her house one time. Yeah. Xander's like, oh, I'd love to. Like we had Tatum, our first born. She's like, I'd love to have. You. I'd love to hang out with you and like kind of talk sometime and whatever. So she's like, okay. Next day she like invite in, comes and like, hey Virginia would like to have you at her house. And this is to Andrea, not me, and bring Tatum. And so that she went over there, like billionaire, you know, family's house. And uh, Virginia is like, so what, what can I help you with? And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, what can I do for you? You know, you said you wanted to, like, she kind of expected us, yeah. us to ask her for uh, money or something. Yeah. And she's like, nothing. I just thought it'd be cool to, to learn about your story. And like, just, I enjoyed talking with you at that event, you know, and she's like, oh, okay. You know, so it's kind of a breath of fresh air. I think that bought me another two years. Oh, yeah. Bears. Like, you got to keep Caleb. His wife's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad it didn't get you a deer stand on the property. That's I mean, true. Going, if I, looking back, I should have just done it. Yeah, well, you are going to inherit a share of the Bears. Yeah, we might. Yeah, I'm going to get they're a call. Leave me the back two acres. Yeah, <laughs> lifetime lease. Yeah, be pretty good. Um, so they should sell. Now, if the Bears were real business, Jerry Jones would do this right now. Yeah. He would sell deer lease. Like, hey, you want to be on the Cowboys deer lease? Yeah. Right, right by That's the field? That's true. He would. We got $100,000 a year. Cowboys have a golf course. He would find some way <laughs> to make money you off could, that. you got office building looking. Our old office building, my old job, looked yeah. right out onto, you saw it, yeah. right out onto the Cowboys practice field at the Star. Genius. Mm. Oh, yeah. Dude's a, yeah, who doesn't want to have their office there? Because, like, how easy was it? If you're trying to schedule a meeting and you're like, oh, should we do it at your office or, or yeah. ours? Just you never have to star. go anywhere. Yeah. 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 It's always at your office. And we would always say, hey, we're having an event. You know, we'd love to have you at the star. Mm-hmm. And they would, we would have just food in our office. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. We could yeah. watch the Cowboys practice yeah. right out the window. 
So yeah, now that you're in the billionaire club with Virginia. <laughs> right. I'm thinking Virginia <laughs> may have given him some money. Maybe, maybe so. next year. Maybe that's, that's why it's worth it. It's a separate yeah. account. My, oh, my, my dear lease is, is worth actually $979 million. <laughs> I do have a question for you, though. You did at some point sign a professional contract. So when you sign a professional contract, what's the yep. first thing you do after that? What's the first thing? What's your first big purchase after <laughs> signing a professional sports yeah, contract? That's a good question. Um, so my first money I got from the NFL was a signing bonus. I'm doing air quotes for everyone who can't see <laughs> yeah. Um, which is everyone but us four. Yeah. Uh, I signed for $5,000. Oh. So I paid off a credit card. All right. Half of it. And then I think the other half, I just used it as like living money for a few months or whatever it was at the time. I didn't have any expenses as a college kid. My parents yeah. really helped me out. So, uh, well, and I was married at the time. So yeah. we didn't have any, we didn't have a house or anything like that. Uh, so... That was my first purchase, paying off a credit card. Pay Real bills. exciting. Pay some bills. Yeah. Yeah. So responsible. And uh, then when I made the team and got my first, I think when I made the team, we celebrated. We went big time. I think we went to Olive Garden. Oh, oh. OG. Yeah, went Reed. to the OG. Some endless breadsticks and salad. <laughs> Good stuff. And uh, Did you pay? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> I paid. I had, all, I'd had no money, yeah. but I had a promise of money for the rest of the year. So. Yeah. Well, I I can say if I would have gotten if I would have been a professional athlete and got a signing bonus and you know we celebrated and took my family out to dinner, I still don't think my dad would let me pay. <laughs> so I well, it gotten, was just me and Andrea, yeah. so I had to pay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was paying either way. Yeah, I think some of the some of the guys that made the team also we kind of went out to yeah. to Olive Garden, literally in Vernon Hills, <laughs> Illinois, which is like just a suburb. Yeah. There was no Whataburger though. There was no Whataburger. We would have went to Whataburger, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could have got a double cheeseburger, extra avocado. Yeah, because I could afford it. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you want a what a size that? You're like, yes, I Absolutely. do. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? What a size hers. Too. Everybody's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my last question was something that that you know most of us don't know about being a professional athlete. I feel like you've answered that already. There's been a lot of things that I think people kind of get an insight to. Um, is there anything that jumps out though, real quick, that you could leave us with? About that, being a professional yeah, athlete? Yeah, that, that people don't know. Yeah, you know, I think, well, I think the biggest thing is, I talked about the ambiguity of everything. I think people, like I had a conversation, or Andrea and I had a conversation yesterday with some friends, and she's like, oh, well, your client's, you know, is a rookie and whatever, and because I'm a financial advisor, and uh, so I have a couple of rookies this year that got drafted, and so I'm helping them through these exact same things that I walked through, you know, as a player, and how to budget and, you know, wh what not to do, basically. Mm -hmm. Um and so I think people think right when you sign, like uh, you're drafted, like you get, like you're guaranteed all this money and you get all this money. Like there are no guaranteed contracts. Like rare, there's some now in the NFL, like first rounders, most of their contract is guaranteed, but it's a lot less than it used to be. Like mm -hmm. it used to, like my year, yeah. I think Matthew Stafford may have been the last guy or Sam Bradford, one of those two made like $50 million guaranteed in like these massive contracts. Yeah, I know Sam Bradford was um, one of the last ones to get yeah. a huge rookie contract. So now, like the, the <laughs> first round guys are making like 20 to 30 guaranteed and all guaranteed over four years. But that's only like the top half of the draft, you know. Um, and so I think beyond that, beyond those select guys, 75%, 80% of the NFL are playing on minimum contracts so like 
which minimum is still amazing. It's like now it's like six hundred eighty thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. but that money's not even guaranteed. Once you, you you sign a certain amount of guaranteed money, of like, hey, I signed a, a two year deal with the Broncos, right? And here's fifty thousand dollars, and you know, that's your guaranteed money. If you make the team, we'll pay you this million, you know. Mm-hmm. And so like from March until September, you don't have any guarantee that you're gonna make that money. So like trying to buy houses, trying to buy cars yeah. with no guaranteed yeah. salary or a lot of the young guys like proof of income like, is very difficult um, because they're like, you don't have any credit. You just came from college. Like, well, I'm gonna make a million dollars this year. Well, that doesn't matter. Like, right. Well, and then, but some people, when you have a three-year contract, it's like, oh, you have a three-year contract. We'll let you afford like a ridiculous price. Too much, yeah. And you're like, they don't know that it's not guaranteed. They don't yeah. read the contract. <laughs> so like that ambiguity piece of it, um, there's just a lot of stress on all these guys because mm-hmm. think about it. These guys have been living 20 years or working 20 years to try to be a professional football player. And then you get to that level and none of it's guaranteed. And so what are you going to do if that doesn't work out? Right. You know, a lot of these guys don't, there's a lot of guys that play that really haven't prepared themselves for anything else. And so in college, it's really hard to do internships and these types of things because you're always having to work out and summer workouts and like your time is consumed with the school's football. Like you get your school paid for, but a lot of the advantages that a lot of juniors and seniors in college get of kind of preemptively getting involved in whatever career they're going to be in, like you don't have that typically. Now the NFL's done a great job a great job, in my opinion, of um, of setting guys up better for success and in colleges too. Like they help you, they they know that that's the trend, and so they help guys save money and stuff while they're in school, and like have these work programs and all this off season development stuff to help guys realize, like, hey, listen, like I know you're at Alabama and you think you're going to play in the NFL for ten years. But let's say the average lifespan of a pro football player is three years. And the reason being is the contracts used to be the rookie deals were three years. So to be vested, to get your pension and all this stuff when you hit retirement age at 55 or 65, you have to um, play three years in three games. So if you didn't play it out of your rookie contract, you didn't get any of that retirement. You know, you still had some 401k stuff, whatever you saved, but your pension and those types of things didn't apply. So if you only play those three years, you're not making enough money to not do anything the rest of your life. Right. Like you might have a good amount of buffer to get you to the next career without having to like just take a job to put food on your kid's table if you saved your money. But uh, for the most part, guys are really, the mo- majority of guys in the NFL aren't set for life You know, from playing. I think that's a common misconception with pro right. athletes is in football especially, um, which is like the only sport without guaranteed contracts. Baseball, hockey, right. basketball, those are all guaranteed money. You know what I mean? And you look at the- So poor, pitiful NFL players, yeah. right? Yeah. No I only made $980 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you look at it, I mean, a football team has 53 people on the roster for the season, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the practice squad guys or whatever. But yeah. then you look at, like, the Cowboys, how much money is Dak Prescott getting paid? How much money does the rest of the team have to get paid? So. Right. Those the difference between the guys who everybody knows their name and everybody else is so yeah. huge. Like I think my con my checks coming in, 
at one point in Chicago, you know, it's like $40,000 after taxes or something for a week of yeah. work. But we only got paid in 17 weeks of the year. So right. I don't know if a lot of people know that either. You only get paid during your during a season. Right. So like you're making big checks. <laughs> like your rookie minimum at my time was like 300,000. So you're making 300,000 minus 40% because you're in 37% tax bracket and 3% to your agent. And then you take the rest of that and you've got to budget that or a portion of that out for the rest of the year till the mm -hmm. next season, which isn't guaranteed either. So um, my checks were like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, which was like huge for, I mean, I was appreciative. But then like Jay Cutler, who's in the locker next to me, is getting like 700000 after taxes. And I'm like, can we just trade checks one week? <laughs> just just <laughs> like, once. You won't notice. Yeah. You won't notice, but it'll be like me. It'll be like huge. Yeah. So, <laughs> he's oh, like, yeah. no, I'm good. <laughs> I don't blame him, I guess. No. It's kind of selfish of him not to give me one. That's though. true. Let's call That's out. the entitled attitude. Yeah. I just deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> We're calling out Jake Cutler. Uh, well, it's a good thing they've got a uh, financial advisor, those rookies coming in now. Yes, very that's right. Thing. That's right. I'm excited to do it. It's uh, It's been good so far. Um, got some good, you know, rookie clients um, coming in. This is, like, um, exciting times, and, and we had a big draft pick this year and last year for our team. Um, so, yeah, I'm part of the sports and entertainment team um, at RBC, Heidi Wealth Management. And um, it's it's interesting. Like, there's a lot of in investment stuff involved where we take – guys money and put it to work in the market but uh a lot of we do a ton of stuff like i just said helping guys think through yeah like should you rent a car should you should you buy a car what yeah, type good. how expensive should you of a car should you get should you lease a house should you buy a house like how long of a rent should you sign you know keeping guys out of those little obstacles that are easily avoidable if you're thinking in the right mindset like that's really a lot of the job mm -hmm. that I do. And so it's very rewarding because you, you, you bring a lot of value to them on top of hopefully making their money, you know, 10% or whatever a year or more. So, um, so yeah, that's really what I do. Yeah, we talk about in our world coaching coaches. You know, our, we coach coaches. We want our head coaches to coach assistant coaches. That mentorship mm -hmm. for any, much like um, coachability, yep. right, and having those guys that, know the ropes, know what they're doing, know how they're doing, the older kids in the locker room who are leading the way, yeah. um, our experienced coaches, coaching younger coaches, and in, in your case, mm -hmm. uh, you know, guys been there and done that right. who can, can preach a high value to those guys that don't know what they're doing. Yeah, there. on one side of it, I get to be the mentor to them, but then on the other side of it, I always tell people this, I got a Ph.D. in football and I'm not even using it. I got a Ph.D. in quarterback and, like, there's yeah. no higher level uh, – besides being the starter, you know, um, for a long period of time as a quarterback than where I got to. Yeah. And so it's kind of a shame I don't get to use the knowledge that I learned. Um, so for a time I felt kind of like, well, you know, I'm wasting that, all that, you know. So I still do some private coaching on the side just mm -hmm. to kind of scratch the itch, I guess. But then I go, I got this other mentorship side of like the lifestyle management that I had to go through that I get to use that. So that's been good and rewarding. Just drives a lot of value for generations for guys. Yeah, if for they, sure. If they're able to save enough money and, and get on a good plan, avoid obstacles and risk, uh, manage their risk, like they can, it can make changes for their whole family for generations if they do it right. Yeah. So that's that's rewarding. But then I'm on the other side. Think about this: going into an industry, I had 
zero experience in. I didn't go to college for finance or investing or, you know, I just ha I went through testing. I had to get licensed. It was like a six-month study thing to get your Series 7 and Series 66 to be able to trade, you know, and, and give financial advice. And so um, I was the rookie again, you know, and trying to be coachable. Yeah. I've got guys that have done it for 20 years. Now I'm listening to everything they say. Mm -hmm. Okay, how do I – I just got this guy on the phone, like, what should I say? Or, you know, we've signed this guy now. What's the next steps? Like, should I get him this? Should, he's asking about this. So, like, it's a constant learning um, thing even for me now, like, in this new industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm taking everything that comes up and I'm logging it away in my head to apply to the next client I have to make his experience even better. Well, you're being coachable, Caleb. I'm being coachable. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Bottom line. Well, um, I think that's all we have. We're over an hour. I think you may have broken our record, actually. Yes. We're almost at an hour and a half. Oh, hey, Addison, we still got to do a water question. We do? Yeah. Shoot. What a question. I'm thinking that... Um, oh, we're trying to come up with it on the spot. No, I have it. Okay. You know, I thought it was Who? water burger for my, most of my life. <laughs> yeah. Water. Water burger. Yeah. H2O burger. I was like, what's a water burger? That's really weird. So I think it's going to be how many touchdowns did Caleb throw his sophomore year? That's the what a question. That's a good yeah. question. Sophomore year. A bunch. Did we answer that question on here? I did. We answered it on here. Yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm seeing, yeah. I'm seeing yeah. the fingers. So there you go. So people, okay. you have to have paid attention. If you paid attention. To get that. Um, I'll give you the 16 for 18 with amount of touchdowns. With <laughs> blank amount of touchdowns. <laughs> Send that to 126podcast at fornyisd.net. Um, that is all that we have today. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks for oh, coming yeah. out. Pre appreciate y'all having me. as a blast. And uh, anytime. Yeah, yeah that was fun. You're that was a lot of fun. Go Forney. That's yeah. right. Part one Jack of Rabbits, our summer series. Falcons. Let's go. Yeah. And dominate. We're, that's, that's our intention. <laughs> that's what we're trying to do here. So to, to can I pitch the next three episodes, or do you want me to leave it a surprise? Well, I'll pitch we the said, next one. We I'll do one at a time. We said we would. Yeah, I'll do ahead. one at a time. All right, next week. Or I don't know when exactly these yeah, are posting. Yeah, we're going to release these through the summer. Okay. It is a summer series. Summer's kind of weird because we, you know, we're right. we're hiring coaches. We're going to coaches' school. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got uh, different staff members taking vacations. We've got coaches' training coming up. There's a lot of stuff going on. Right. So really, we're we're uh, um, we have four episodes mm -hmm. for a two month period. There you go. So we'll be releasing them throughout the summer. Okay. So next episode, we're going to have Rangers pitcher and former Forney Jackrabbit Mason Englert. That's right. Um, a first-round draft pick, exciting young player for the Rangers system, and obviously exciting for us because he's a forny kid. Yeah, he's he doesn't have a billion-dollar arm like Caleb. That's true. He Not many do. A million-dollar arm. He does we have talk a about arm. that. Yeah, he's the real deal. All right, so I need to meet Mason. I've never met him. You just want to be his financial advisor. <laughs> well, mostly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Seems like a good kid to know. He's, I've yeah. heard good things about him. He's, well, yeah. he was him and Jonathan Childress, and Jonathan yep. was in Addison and I's Sunday school class. We taught for three years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So he's good. A&M. Yeah. Chili. Shout out. All right. So Chili. that's that's all we have for, hey, for he, this Maybe he can be episode. on our Legends series someday. It's something yes. we're working on here at the 126. Absolutely. So we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening.